Welcome to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. We're a TV show and a syndicated radio show, and we are stepping into the conversation and looking to uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Be prepared to hear from some amazing guests, known and unknown, insightful conversations that will get you thinking. And most importantly on the show, we are especially interested in encountering the living God and hearing about how he is transforming lives. Check us out on the World Wide Web at www.theperspective.tv. On Facebook, you can search The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau, and you can also find us on YouTube. Today on The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau and Julie Stoutland, one of the actors from The Chosen, Jordan Walker-Ross, who plays Little James in the film. Mike Sherboneau talks one-on-one with Jordan, who says his real-life physical disability of scoliosis and cerebral palsy helped him shape his incredible portrayal of one of the Bible's writers whose message was to persevere through trials. Jordan's doing that and so much more. Over to you, Mike and Julie, and this exciting interview. We're glad you're with us today on The Perspective. We've got an exciting program. Uh, Julia had a neat interview with Jordan Walker-Ross. And yeah. It just kind of drew me in to uh, watch The Chosen. And uh, 410 million people are watching the story. That's just incredible. I had somebody actually this morning say to me that their boyfriend was watching The Chosen, and what he liked about it was that it was very biblical, Mm. but the drama is so intense. And there's a bit of a backstory in it, of course, as people are watching it. And likely today you're watching it as well. I encourage you to. Season three is about to begin, I think, November 18th. And uh, so you want to watch what's going to happen. But, you know, Julie, one of the things that's neat about the movie is, or uh, the series, rather, is... They're obviously talking about the supreme uh, centrality of who Jesus Mm. is. And as they move towards the crucifixion, we think of the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, I just want to do a shout out again today. We did it at the first of the week. But uh, I just want to do a shout out to all our military folks, Mm. uh, those that have served in active or passive roles, those that are serving right now, whose loved ones have paid the uh, supreme price. My dad spent 27 years in the military, and uh, I honor him even though he's passed away. And I honor the memory of his friends who gave their lives. And as we think about the freedom that we have in Canada, let's not take it for granted. Uh, Today, on The Perspective, we're also going to be talking about the one who has also paid the supreme price, and that's the Lord Jesus himself. So, Stay with us. we got a great program. In a moment, I'm going to be talking with little James. Jordan, welcome to the program today, and thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm uh, excited to be here. Well, i got a million questions for you, but I'm going to try to keep it to four or five today just for the conversation. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about uh, how you got on the uh, the cast for The Chosen and, and what it's been like. And we'll explore a bit of your background later because I know that has really shaped you. But I'd just love to hear your, your thoughts and how you got there and uh, how exciting has it been for you? Yeah, so you know, I had been pursuing acting since I was six years old when I played Tiny Tim in a little community theater production. And uh, I started going out to L.A. as a teenager on and off for about 10 years and, you know, would do little things here and there. But there there just 
I, I couldn't get anything that stuck. Uh, and I couldn't find any lasting uh, success or consistent success. And then I moved back to Texas. I started a family. I worked an office job at an acting school. Uh, but I felt very unfulfilled creatively. I felt like I wasn't, um, you know, fulfilling my purpose uh, as an actor. And uh, that's when I got the audition for The Chosen uh, from my agent. And I knew nothing about the, the project. Uh, and I, I went in and originally read for the role of Matthew. I, I got a call back and then I, I did an audition for Andrew. Um, and then I booked the role of little James. So it was, uh, exciting. You know, I hadn't booked anything in several years. I uh, was just excited to, to be acting again. Uh, even though I didn't do much in the, those first four episodes, I, I just w loved being on set and working with talented actors and filmmakers. Uh, and then, you know, flash forward to four years later and we've wrapped on season three of the chosen and these people are my best friends now they're my family and uh i've got two more kids from you know what i had when i started so it's uh everything has changed yeah yeah but threes are like we're at three now so that's uh that's where where i'm tapping out after three so we're 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 good there well you know i got five and i not that I should have quit at three, but we were just having too much fun, so we just kept going. So <laughs> anyways, you know, I was kind of smiling uh, when you talked about the role of little James. And of course, my mind goes to Robin Hood and his merry men, and there's little John. And uh, although little John wasn't that little, just talk to us about the name itself. You know, it's James the Less uh, or, you know, little James. Who is this person that you're uh, portraying? Well, playing little James on The Chosen is interesting because there's not a lot known about uh, the actual little James or James the Lesser, at least biblically. There, there's some texts and, uh, you know, traditions and, and things throughout history that you can find some context on, on who he was. Uh, he became the first bishop of Jerusalem and, and carried a staff. There, there are little tidbits that you can find here and there, but uh, as far as who he was and what his personality was, there's not a lot known. So th there's been a lot of, uh, you know, freedom to take some liberties and to to make this character our own. Uh, and it, it's been a, a, such a privilege to be a part of shaping who little James is. And one big aspect is Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen, embracing my own differences and my my disabilities and making it part of the character, which I think has added a whole new level to the character and to the show by one, uh, you know, giving the disabled community representation on screen, but two, it has, uh, you know, allowed, it's created opportunities on, on The Chosen to ask, you know, some tough questions and have difficult conversations and address uh, you know, the relationship between faith and healing, which is a complicated relationship. And I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of, of uh, that conversation now. I'd like to unpack that with you maybe in the second part of our interview today. But you talked about different things that have shaped you. And uh, many times people see an actor or an actress and they just kind of swoon over them thinking, oh, it's been a cakewalk and all the doors have opened for them. And uh, I think my executive producer is uh, 
in love with you, but I, I just got to be careful what I say there because this is being recorded. She told me not to get too, uh, you know, bleary eyed or whatever as we were chatting. I said, I'm going to control myself. But we have this vision of movie stars and, and they get escalated to this place of grandeur and people are looking at them. But that wasn't your journey. I mean, you've had a very challenging road to walk through, which I think is being played out in your character so wonderfully. Take us back to your childhood, if you would, to help us to understand that. Of course. You know, I, I grew up with uh, cerebral palsy and scoliosis. I also have severe asthma. Um, I had over half a dozen major surgeries by the time I was 10 years old uh, at a full spinal fusion. Um, I was in a two week long coma when I was 18 years old. Uh, there was a lot that that I went through medically. Um, but I also had, uh, you know, my, my grandpa's actor, Barry Corbin. So, um, speaking of, you know, people in the industry and having certain ideas or expectations of what their journey has been, that helped me a lot as well, getting to see the way he interacted with fans and getting to see the struggles he went through as an actor, because, you know, he, his very first movie role after pursuing it for 20 years was when he was 40 years old and he played John Travolta's uncle in Urban Cowboy. So wow. he went 20 years pursuing a career in the film industry without booking anything at all before he booked this big part. And that same year, he got stir crazy with uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor and Any Which Way You Can with Clint Eastwood. Wow. And uh, since then, he's done 250 movies and TV shows. So it, you look at his resume and you think, oh, wow, what a great career, which it is. But there were 20 years before that, that he was just scraping to get by. And uh, that offered a lot of, you know, perspective and, and uh, inspiration for me as well, because I remember always telling myself, you know, as long as you book a movie before you're 40, uh, then then you're good, because that's what my grandpa did. Uh, and I. Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's about, you have to have a, a persistence and, and a bit of delusion uh, to pursue a career in this industry. Uh, and uh, I had my mom and, and grandpa there to, to help teach me those, those uh, qualities. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, we want to talk more about that in a minute and also about the whole correlation between faith and healing and your own personal perspective on that. We're talking right now with Jordan Walker Ross, little James of the Chosen. We'll be right back after this short break. When you hear the word Easter, what comes to mind? Lots of chocolate, the Easter bunny, colored eggs, or could there be something more? To find out what that more is, North End Church is inviting you to join them this Easter Sunday morning at the Performing Arts Center, 250 St. Paul Street in St. Catharines. We are going there to make room for you and your friends and family. Music will be by recording artist Kevin Paulson Band, and kids programming will also be available. A continental breakfast will also be provided at 9.45 a.m. with service starting at 10.30. Join the North End Church family this Easter at the Performing Arts Center with Pastor Mike Sherboneau, who will be speaking on the greatest comeback ever. Seating is limited, so don't delay. Reserve your free seats today. Just go to www.northendchurch.ca. Again, that's northendchurch.ca. We'll see you then. Well, welcome back to The Perspective. I'm excited today to have uh, one of the stars of The Chosen, uh, Jordan Walker Ross with us. He plays Little James. And as you heard just before the break, 
we're talking about the whole correlation of the things that shape us and what we have to go through and how that can impact us, especially as we get older. And Jordan, if I could ask you a simple question, when you were young and you're going through the many surgeries that you did, what was the dream that sustained you? What were the things that you were thinking about? You know, I, I found acting when I was uh, six years old. And, and from that moment on, I knew that it's something that I, I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to be a part of, of making, um, making movies and, and creating art with other people. And that camaraderie that, that you feel in, in, you know, making it, uh, that, that was such a special feeling. Um, but I also knew that I, I didn't really feel represented, uh, in film as far as seeing people that walked like I do. And I wanted to be, I, I remember being a really young kid, like eight or nine years old and telling my mom, uh, when I win an Oscar, I, I want to, uh, tell all of the other kids with disabilities watching or that have a limp. Uh, or that have scoliosis or whatever it is uh, that they can do it too. And uh, you know, now I'm, I'm at a place where not only I'm able to, to do that uh, with the platform that chosen has given me, but the, I'm able to do that in the chosen itself by playing a character that has the same disability as I do. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's such an honor to, to be a part of that. So they have actually worked your disability into the script. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the, I hate that word disability. Is there a better uh, word? So, I mean, it's something that, uh, like it never bothered me, but some people prefer differently abled, uh, which I th think is totally fine. So, but you know, either way, it was something that the creator of the chosen Dallas Jenkins, uh, for our second season, he, because when he wrote season one, he wasn't anticipating someone with cerebral palsy, uh, playing little James. But once I got the part, he decided to incorporate it into the role. And it was terrifying at first uh, because it was forcing me to be more vulnerable than I had ever been and to address the thing that I was most insecure about and that I hated about myself, um, you know, because I had lost out on roles because of my limp. I had been cut out of projects because my limp was too noticeable in the past. So, uh, it was something I felt I needed to hide and that I should have, that I should be ashamed of, um, and all of the bullying that I experienced because of it. So when Dallas Jenkins embraced it, uh, it, it started me on the journey of embracing it myself and, uh, coming to a place of, of not just acceptance, but love, uh, so loving myself and loving the things that make me different. And uh, that's one thing that I hope as little James, I can do for other people within the, the disabled community is to teach them that just because they're different, it doesn't mean that they're broken. Um, and yeah. So you have a faith in God and obviously it's, it's carried you. How did it shape you when you were younger? So you could process these things and work through, uh, the sense of loss of not being able to do what other people could do, but then also being inspired to to do something unique with yourself. It's interesting because earlier on in life, if even a few years ago, if you would have asked me what I want to be healed, if I could, I would have said yes, without a doubt. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of bitterness and anger 
and comparing myself saying like, why, why did I have to be born like this? You know, even small things like in high school, like, you know, none of the girls like me, they like all the football players and, you know, not the short, you know, guy that's limping around. And it was stuff like that. You're, I just was constantly picking myself apart um, and, and beating myself up. And I, uh, over time, I, I realized that the thing that I, I viewed as my greatest weakness and as my greatest flaw uh, is actually the thing that now I view as one of my greatest strengths and as an asset and something to be proud of. And it's, it's all about perspective. And, and we can take the hand that we've been dealt and be bitter and angry about it, or we can find a way to use it to our advantage and to use it to inspire others and lift others up. And the chosen has allowed me, uh, you know, a, a platform to do just that. And I'm so, so thankful. Can you just talk to me a little bit about the chosen and, and how you participate in the greater vision? What are some of the things they're hoping is going to be accomplished? And there's already been so many things accomplished with what was it, the most recent 410 million views and just mind boggling. But what yeah, is the vision that you're a part of with them? You know, I, I think the the thing that I love most about The Chosen is how, you know, clearly it's it's resonated with people on a deep level and not just people of faith, but people of, of all uh, systems of faith or lack thereof. It's something that's reached people on a, a universal scale, which is really unusual for a faith-based project to do. Um, usually it's real, it's, you know, connecting with a very specific group of people, but the chosen, I think the reason it has such a broad reach is because of how, how human all of these characters are and how relatable they are. And the thing that I hope the chosen can has, I know it has done, but can continue to do on an even bigger scale is to, to help people feel seen and feel understood uh, and to feel represented and to feel loved and to, to know that, you know, in the same way that just because little James is different, doesn't mean that he's broken. Same with Matthew. Matthew is, you know, on the autism spectrum and, you know, all of these different characters that, you know, are quote unquote broken or, you know, uh, by, by society standards or by the cultures that they live in but uh, they can all use those things to their advantage and use those things for good. And uh, I, I hope the chosen can continue to do that and teach people that long after uh, all of us are gone. Well, I love it because it's the real deal. And uh, I just appreciate your transparency and your honesty. And you've uh, given me a little insight because it didn't all happen at once. It's been a growing process as you've learned to open up and embrace your particular situation, which I know is going to be an encouragement to all our viewers today. Jordan, I want to thank you for being with us today on The Perspective. And we're all looking forward to when you get that Oscar. You know we're going to be rooting for you. Well, thank you so much. And I hope everyone checks out the first two episodes of season three of The Chosen in theaters starting on November 18th. 18th is the day it happens. Okay. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to take this moment to tell you why we do the perspective. And Julie, there are two words going through my mind. <laughs> I know what they are. What are they? Hope and help. You got it. You knocked it out of the park. <laughs> hope and help are so important. And can I just share with you as the viewing audience that 
We want people to experience the hope that happens when they put their trust in Jesus. I know it transformed my life. It will transform yours if it hasn't already. We also want to help people and through the many interviews and as we teach God's Word, to help people to realize that the Lord is with us, that He is our refuge and strength. So could I ask you to help me give hope to people across our country? Why not go to the link below and donate to support the perspective and together we can give hope and help to our country. It's so interesting to see how Jordan makes little James come to life and really makes him a, 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 a person that we can relate to today. And I think we, when we look at the Bible and we hear the stories and everything, and we just think, oh, these are nice stories. But I think that's also part of what, what, what Jordan's doing and what the whole Chosen is doing. Is, is It's everyday people. They were living out their everyday lives. And yet these incredible things were happening. And yeah. we need that. It's like a refresher. It, 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 I think that's probably why you're having people that are believers that are maybe uh, people seekers. Of, uh, are seekers or other yeah. people of other faiths are checking it out because it's bringing what happened then into now and how it could have possibly been like in that day as we are living today. Yeah, well, and I think one of the interesting things is Jordan and I talked about it. I can't remember if it was in the interview or you know prior, but the script, it lands on the main points of scripture mm -hmm. and uh, it follows that along. But the backstories are so compelling as they're drawing right. people in and you can begin to think about parts of, of the character and what they might have gone through. And I think the big thing for me out of the interview was how they talked about uh, his own situation. Mm -hmm. And Jordan talked about the healing power of Christ and they actually worked it into the, the script and asked the question, well, how come Jesus hasn't healed you yet? Mm. And out of his own journey, he shares that that hadn't phased him either. Right, right. I, it's, so as I think about that, uh, I just want to encourage people, uh, if you're looking for some really good entertainment, this is a great thing to watch. And again, in a couple moments, I'm going to be back to teach the final segment out of the book of Joshua. They could write a story on that. What a, an action-packed place that is as we talk about decision-making, defining moments in our life. We all love stories. They shape our minds, fuel our passions, and give perspective to our situation. Speaking of perspective, have you checked out The Perspective on your local TV network? The Perspective is Canada's newest daily faith-based program that addresses the issues between faith and culture. You will hear stories from guests like Lisa Bevere, Daryl Strawberry, Paul Henderson, The Godwink People, David Nurse, and many more. Hosted by Dr. Mike Sherbino, The Perspective is here to help you find and follow Jesus. Check us out at theperspective.tv. Well, as we come to the final part in this story out of Joshua chapter 3, there's a statement that we need to repeat again, and it's this. When you make a decision, that decision will turn around and make you. And now Joshua is facing the first major decision of his leadership. It's a crisis point, and he is having to make a choice, can I trust God? And so they're coming to the Jordan River that is just raging. In the back of his mind, he's thinking, Moses led the people through the Red Sea. God has said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And now Joshua has to decide in his heart, is it really true? Is God's promise going to be true for me? And there's a key phrase that comes in this passage in chapter 3. It says, 
go stand in the river. Uh, go stand uh, and take your place. Because there will be times that we'll be called to step into the river. And we need to pray that we'll be faithful as we lead others in this journey. Say, well, who am I leading? Well, it could be your family. It could be your spouse. It could be your good friend. Who you're influencing, you have to go and stand in the river. And for me, it's all those and, and more. As I think about the church that I lead, as I think about this ministry, what does it mean to stand in the river? Well, they went and they stood in the river. And who was it? It was the leaders. The leaders had to go and stand. Let me read to you from chapter 3. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and the Ark was a symbol, it was a box that held the Ten Commandments and some of the manna, the food that God gave them each day. So I kept those things inside. And it says, as soon as you see the Ark, the, the, the visual reminder of the covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the priests, then you'll set out from your place and follow it. But keep a distance between you, about 2,000 cubits in length. Don't come near it in order that you may know the way that you should go. So here it's very interesting. God is saying, as you trust me, as you go stand in the river, keep distance so you can see, and then you're going to know the way you're going to go. So how do you process your defining moment? There are a couple things here in the passage that I want to give to you. I've been waiting all week to get to this part, and I hope that you'll just kind of drink it in because I know that I am again. And the first thing is this. Before you do anything major, you need to take a holy time out. Say, what are you talking about? Well, in verse 5, Joshua had said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Take a holy time out. You need to take time where you can just climatize and listen for God's voice. I think of some of the interviews I've had this past week that Julie and I have had and how some of the people we've been talking with are just saying, you got to step back and listen for God's voice. And you know, this holy timeout was important. They knew, Joshua knew, this was a time for resetting the troops. And how you handle your Jordan River, I'm going to tell you this, you need to first be right with God. That's why he says, consecrate yourself. And then secondly, you need to listen for what God is saying. In verses 3 and 4 that we read, it says, as you see the ark being carried out, keep a distance, and then you will know which way to go. The ark was to be ahead of them. It was a military move, but also a religious processional move. Think of a friend of ours who uh, always had a passion to open a home for battered kids. And I knew that God was speaking to them, but they didn't respond. And at that moment when God said, go stand in the river, they didn't. They stood at the bank. Don't let that story be told of you. Don't miss the opportunities that God has given to you today. You might not have it all figured out. Well, don't worry. It wouldn't be faith if you had it figured out. And speaking of faith, in verse 8, they have to take a step of faith. So take a holy time out, listen for what God is saying, and take a step of faith. In verse 8, and as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant that when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now think about these guys as they're walking in. They got the Ark, it's on two long poles, and uh, there's a number of them at the front and at the back carrying the Ark in. Now I don't know about you, but I'd want to be the guy at the back. Because the guy at the front gets in, he dips his toes, then he's up to his ankles, then his calves, and then his knees, and maybe up to his chest. 
And he's wondering, when is it going to happen? But as soon as they all get in, the water parts. And there is dry ground. Interesting they say dry ground because that's exactly what happened to Moses. Do you remember God's promise to Joshua? As I was with Moses, I will be with you. But I get excited when I think about, in my mind, the visual reenactment of what it must have looked like. Because as the families were walking through, you think of the priests who had walked in first, wondering, can God be trusted? And some little kid says, that's my dad over there. That's my dad. He went in first or he went in second. They stood in the river and they saw it part. Today, you're making a decision. You're facing your Jordan River. Step out in faith and know that you can trust God, that he will part the waters. And I am praying today that his presence will be so real, so tangible, that you will sense his hand on you saying, this is the way you need to go. Stay tuned for the second half of The Perspective coming up right after this. Hi, my name is Roger Helen, Prayer Ambassador for the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. And I'm Brittany Leung, Volunteer Coordinator at Jubilee Church in Calgary. You know, all across our country, we are seeing a hunger for unity in and between churches and a deep desire to pray for revival. We see that desire all across the Christian community, in pastors, in leaders, and of course, in individual Christians who want their churches to come alive in prayer. That's why we are hosting Ignite, a worship and prayer summit for unity and spiritual awakening. This April, please join us in Ottawa, Calgary, Kelowna, or Regina for inspiration and training for pastors and church leaders. A half-day seminar will guide leaders on how to cultivate a culture of prayer in their churches, followed by prayer ministry and a catered, complimentary dinner. In the evening, we will hold a public prayer and worship event in each city to seek God's face in worship and prayer. Everyone is invited to the evening event. We will worship and pray together for unity and spiritual awakening across Canada. It's going to be amazing. So friends, you are warmly welcomed to Ignite. So please share this invitation widely. Invite everyone. Register today at theefc.ca forward slash Ignite and let's cultivate united prayer to bless Canada in the name of Jesus. Today on The Perspective with Mike Sherpineau and Julie Stoutland, we continue our film series of The Chosen with actress Elizabeth Tavish, who plays Mary Magdalene. Elizabeth is an actor and director working in film, television, and commercials. She's also the co-creator and art director of the Art House Film Festival, bringing artists of all genres from around the world to an ever-expanding and engaging festival where they showcase their work. Today on The Perspective, Mike and Julie, and a conversation with filmmaker Elizabeth Tavish. We're glad you're with us today on The Perspective, and as we head towards Christmas, and you know, Julie, heading towards Christmas means there's a little bit of time left to do that last-minute shopping. Yes. Yeah, I know you want to get me something special, and I'm looking <laughs> oh, forward to that. But uh, one of the things that 
heightens anticipation for me is the Christmas story. Yes. And The Chosen, that mm -hmm. this documentary, movie, the, the TV program, it's all been morphed into one. When Mary is telling the story, the older Mary, of the birth of her son, I'm just drawn in. But what drew me in initially to The Chosen is the first show in episode one, and there's a special guest that we have on well, today. Yes, as we continue our special uh, movie series on The Chosen, we now get to speak with Elizabeth Tabish, who plays Mary Magdalene. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're delighted. And as I uh, let the cat out of the bag in the, the opening part of the program, you know, I was somewhat skeptical, wondering what The Chosen was going to be like. And as I began to watch the first program uh, come out, you come out in your character of Mary Magdalene. And, uh, you know, you have an incredible gift. It just drew me in because of my own knowledge of who she was and to see how it was played out. Love for you just to um, do us a favor. Just take us back before you were on the set of The Chosen because life was challenging for you as you have freely shared. And I know our viewers are gonna draw strength from that. And then we'll talk more about your own character, but take us back before you started doing The Chosen. What was life like? Life was very different. <laughs> um, I was uh, broke. I was, I was trying to work as an actress and I was doing mostly commercial work. and. Um, and I would book some, but it wasn't enough to like make ends meet. Uh, I was always struggling and, um, I was creatively very unfulfilled as an actor and, um, I was in a state of depression. I was, I was really, I didn't know what my purpose was, what I was doing. Um, I couldn't find meaning in anything. And, um, I, I moved in with my mom cause I couldn't pay rent anymore, which thank you, mom. <laughs> Um, and I was, uh, ready to quit acting cause I thought this is not working for me and I need to be practical and like kind of grow up and, um, figure out my life, which was feeling very messy. And I told my agent to just stop submitting me cause this is, you know, it's, inter it's interesting. You talked about, you thought you needed to be practical and go do something, but sometimes being practical, we think means giving up the dream. And, uh, but the dream came alive, didn't it? How did you cast yourself for the role of Mary Magdalene? Well, I, as I was about to say, my, my, I told my agent to stop submitting me and he submitted me to this anyway. And so, um, I, I read this character. I connected to her in such a personal and uncanny way. And, um, and I, you know, I, I read for it and, and, and booked it. And it's just, it's been so uh, life-changing to be able to portray her. She she has been almost a role model over these years and seasons. Um, and she has this beautiful growth that I feel like I get to uh, also grow with her. Well, I, I like to say on that vein, how how has your faith informed you as you play Mary? I don't think my faith has informed me. I think um, Mary has informed my faith. <laughs> um, this experience, this whole experience has informed my faith. I was very cynical and skeptical about religion for a long time. And, um, and over these last few years, it's becoming like clearer and clearer to me, um, that 
you know, I wouldn't have been able to play Mary. I don't think I would have booked this if I didn't go through certain difficult things in my life, which reminds me that God was there during those times and with me the entire time. And it has, you know, it's, it's this reminder of like, you're, you're just, you're never alone. Right. And God has been able to use my pain to, to give me my dream come true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's um, powerful. You know, it's Elizabeth, one of the things that happens in, as you portray Mary is that you bring her humanity out. Was that conscious or did you find yourself living through her character a little bit? I think I lived through her character a little bit. Um, I think the the writers uh, do so just beautiful work in making her uh, relatable and human, her just character. And I think even in season two to show her uh, sort of regressing a little bit into her old habits was a reminder to me too of like you're you're just human you're not perfect and you can't really be perfect and um and that you're still deeply loved mm. and that's and that's just been a gift to be able to be reminded of that in character and then also just personally because I get to hear it you know yeah. and and hear it. Did you find that what you were experiencing was mirrored with some of your other actors and actresses that you were working with? Were they going through similar types of experiences as they took on their role? Um, I I can't speak for anyone, um, but I do know that we've all just been like in awe of the growth of this show and, and that we get to do what we love with people that we love. Mm. Uh, I know we're all so grateful for it. and we put our heart and soul and sweat and tears into all of this. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's been just this, it's turned into a family and, um, and I think we all need that. Oh, for sure. Listen, I want to ask you, what do you think will surprise people who see the film the most? Um, I think for me, I was surprised by how, uh, funny it is in moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There are some really, and it's it's not like goofy or whatever. It's just like there, you know, as in life, there are funny moments. It's realistic to like what how humans interact. Um, I think uh, some really wonderful examples are like the two sets of brothers, like how brothers actually interact, and <laughs> and um, and there's just you know awkward moments sometimes. And and I think Dallas Jenkins has a wonderful sense of humor, and the writers do too. That that they just make you know a little bit of levity sometimes in in these scenarios that are actually very plausible you know that we would naturally laugh over and mm -hmm. and I think it's a really nice um balance for how uh some of the the more intense emotional and and um you know sort of complicated emotions that, that come from other scenes. And, and when you think that's yeah. part of the draw too is the fact that The Chosen is doing such a wonderful job of representing everyday life and everyday humans that even though that, it was so I mean, far ago, but exactly. we're, we haven't really changed, have we? No, not at all. I mean, like people are people and um, and I think that's what people are relating to. I think that's, pe people can see themselves in a lot of these characters and uh, it's just, it's relatable. And it's also because it's human, it's so messy and, and there's so, you know, there's, there's growth to be had and uh, it's refreshing to see and be a part of.
Here's a question that I have, and it's probably a personal question because uh, I also serve as a pastor, and I'm often conscious that people are perceiving me in a variety of ways. So the chosen is, a th you know, there's a lot of theology. Uh, it's the story of God uh, come in the flesh. As we think about the theological implications, and there's so many denominations, does that stuff ever go through your mind as you're living out the role of Mary Magdalene that, oh, maybe the Protestants will perceive me one way or the Catholics another? Maybe you could speak to that, and uh, I'd love to know what was going through your mind when you played the role. That's such a good question. Um, I think uh, I think anything that that goes out to the masses, you have to like sort of like consider like lots of different people are going to be watching this, and and therefore there will be lots of different reactions to it. Um, I think what has been most exciting about um, that is that the overwhelming response to this show has been um, that of like gratitude. I think people from lots of different faith backgrounds and traditions, even non-believers or people of other faiths, it's not Christian based, like people love this show uh, because it, it brings so much humanity to these mm -hmm. historical characters um, and it also brings so much hope. These the the storylines that are being told are um, are beautiful and heartwarming, and and you know the other options out in the world of media, like sometimes media is just there to entertain or distract. And I think the chosen does a beautiful job in entertaining and also inspiring. And so you know, it, I'm not thinking consciously of like what will, you know, a certain type of religion think? I, I, I don't know what they'll think. And, and all I can do as an actor is just is bring my heart to the role and, and, um, and my facilities and as, as much as I can and, and just hope and, and sort of trust mm -hmm. that, that it's meant to be that way. You well, know? that's so nicely said. Listen, we're going to take a very short break. We'll be right back. We're speaking with Elizabeth Tavish from The Chosen. Stay with us, everyone. When you hear the word Easter, what comes to mind? Lots of chocolate? The Easter Bunny? Colored eggs? Or could there be something more? To find out what that more is, North End Church is inviting you to join them this Easter Sunday morning at the Performing Arts Center, 250 St. Paul Street in St. Catharines. We are going there to make room for you and your friends and family. Music will be by recording artist Kevin Paulson Band, and kids programming will also be available. A continental breakfast will also be provided at 9.45 a.m. with service starting at 10.30. Join the North End Church family this Easter at the Performing Arts Center with Pastor Mike Sherboneau, who will be speaking on the greatest comeback ever. Seating is limited, so don't delay. Reserve your free seats today. Just go to www.northendchurch.ca. Again, that's northendchurch.ca. We'll see you then. You know, Elizabeth, uh, I often talk to people and I often hear them talk about their dreams. And we all have dreams. And in The Chosen, I think that you fulfill one of your dreams. I don't, I don't want to quote you, but talk to me about one of your passions to elevate the status of women and how you see that coming to pass as you play the role of Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I, I, uh, that was one of the reasons that I didn't want to keep acting. I've been so disappointed with the quality of female characters that are written for TV and film. It's often objectifying. And, um, and as actresses, there are few 
roles that are really meaty, that have a lot of like emotional depth and psychological challenges. And like, it, it, so, so actresses are often just desperate to take anything and any role, just please let me practice my craft that I love. And, and I've just, I've been disappointed with, with a lot of that. And um, I started writing and directing short films for some time, just because I felt like there were female stories that need to be told in a more honest way and in, in a more focused way, instead of them being support for, for male figures or, or just there to look pretty or what have you. And so this show has, has given me the most wonderful female character. And they, they've written so many other amazing female characters that are not objectified, that are intelligent and strong. And uh, there's still so much variety in all of our personalities. And, and it's just been such a gift to be able to, to play, to be a part of. Well, let's switch gears for a second and, and tell us about the costumes. They look incredibly the as, the, yeah. as do the locations. Talk to us about that. Sure. I mean, our costumes, I think they've done so much research and, and just do this beautiful job of, of really showing different, you know, different cultures that are, you know, it's sort of this mixing melting pot of yeah. different cultures, especially in season three, we see a variety of cultures and, and their costumes are representative of that and they're just gorgeous. And then, yeah, we've been filming in, in uh, season one and two, it was some in Texas, some in Utah. And this season for season three, they built a set in Midlothian, Texas. And so now we have sort of a home base, which is really nice. And I think we'll, we'll still be filming, I think in Utah as well, but um they have built up this beautiful, this very detailed, very realistic set so that when you're there and filming, it really feels like you are, uh, you are there, you know. There. Uh, it must make it so much easier. You're like, you just kind of feel like you just yeah. been transformed back into time. You're right there. Well, you know, for a guy, for a guy yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to watch this, this show because they're going to have some gorky looking <laughs> costumes on. We have the stereotype. But all of that just brings the, the authenticity, mm -hmm. enables us to connect with the characters and especially yours. I mean, when you are Lilith, you know, and you're oh, having yeah. the, the demonic encounter and various things and how you look, um, I mean, your makeup looks all over and it just looks real and I'm drawn in. And uh, it was very powerful. It was gritty. Yeah, they did a lot of dirt and blood and even down to my nails they, they were chipped and broken and um the the crew on the show they're just masters of what they do you know here's a crazy question but when the chosen is finished the last episode has been filmed and aired and you're sitting on your rocking chair you know five months later because <laughs> i'll be 70. <laughs> yeah. What is it, what do you think you're going to remember most? Is there one or two things that are just going to stand out? I don't know if I can answer that. Everything, you know, this whole experience has just been such a dream come true. Uh, I think probably the second I got the audition sides and I read through the scenes, I was sitting on my bed and I had them laid out. I print the, printed them out and I'm reading the scene, the, the last scene of episode one, season one, where Jesus calls Mary by her name. Yeah. I remember reading that and, and just being so moved. 
And just knowing then I'm like, I have to, this has to, <laughs> I have to be in this, you know? Um, and I think every, I think that's like the beginning of it. That, that was like a change in the transformation in me as I was just reading it. And then from there, this whole, every experience has just been, it's helped me grow. It's helped me learn about, you know, the, the actual, actual Christianity about Jesus, about, and I'm just seeing, you know, the audience and, and, and their impact on me, their, them sharing their own stories. It's just, it's been just life changing. Well, you know, the power of the person that you play, and as you've just shared a bit of your own journey right now, is that what we see in Jesus is someone who looks beyond the outward externals. And we see his love and compassion, but also his power to set people free. And I think that is often caught even when he looks at you. I think if I remember correctly, he actually holds your face and he says, Mary, and he speaks into your soul. What was that, that moment like in the first uh, episode? Filming that, yeah, I, it was it was such a cold night. It was just freezing, and um, and we're doing this this very important scene over and over. I was so nervous about getting it right because it was like the end of episode one, and um, I was kind of beating myself up that I I wasn't doing it. I think the way I wanted to do it or planned to do it, and. And it was just this great lesson to just like, it is going to be whatever it's going to be that day. And, um, and it, I think it ended up being what it needed to be. And I, I think it was this lesson of like, you can't control this and this is not in your control. And, um, and I just remember, um, I was so excited to see it all put all together. I couldn't wait to just like, you know, and it, it just, it, my expectations were, it, it, it it exceeded my expectations. It, it's I, I still love watching that scene. I I am still moved by that scene. It's, I, I think it's great how you say you can't control. You know, it's out of your control. You just you gave it your all and whatever it was, and it was perfect. So that's all. It's a good lesson in life, and yeah. also for actors. Just right. like we can't, you know, just just bring your heart into it, and that's all you can do. Yes. Now, before we we have a few seconds left, I just want to ask you about your art house film festival. Oh, tell thank us you. a little bit about that. Yeah. Yes, so, uh, my friend Giselle and I have been doing this. This is its fifth year. We started in Austin. It was Austin Art House Film Festival, and then COVID hit, so we made it virtual. And now we're doing pop-up screenings in different places. But uh, our virtual fest is this year, December twenty-sixth through thirty-first, and we are selecting what you know our favorite art house submissions from across the world. Uh, short, medium, and feature-length films um, by artists, by filmmakers that that have you know vision and are experimental and and try new things with the art form. Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited to be able to showcase and really elevate their work and and share it with the world. So um, our website's thearthousefilmfestival.com if you want to see any um, of our previous year's work. And uh, yeah, we're really proud of it. It's it's grown a lot over the last few years. Well, I love that. That is wonderful. What an exciting project you have. You're so busy. <laughs> Elizabeth, we've run out of time, but it has been wonderful to fantastic. meet you and to speak with you, and you're doing a fantastic job on The Chosen. Thank you thank for you so being much. with us today. Yeah, thank you for uh, sharing and speaking into our hearts through your character and also through what you've shared just here. Thank you for oh, being real. You. What a pleasure. Thank you, guys.
All right. All right, stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. I want to take this moment to tell you why we do the perspective. And Julie, there are two words going through my mind. <laughs> I know what they are. What are they? Hope and help. You got it. You knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Hope and help are so important. And can I just share with you as the viewing audience that we want people to experience the hope that happens when they put their trust in Jesus. I know it transformed my life. It will transform yours if it hasn't already. We also wanna help people and through the many interviews and as we teach God's word, to help people to realize that the Lord is with us, that he is our refuge and strength. So could I ask you to help me give hope to people across our country? Why not go to the link below and donate to support the perspective and together we can give hope and help to our country. Well, The Chosen is really making a buzz out there. And speaking of, we have some great swag to give away. Swag. Mike, some DVDs, uh, wristbands, a journal, uh, a mug. Pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And you know, actually holding all this up is my mug. Oh, it's standing on its own. Okay, that's cool. Um, we just hope you'll uh, take opportunity, write to us at theperspective.tv and you say, send me the swag. And for the first uh, 10 people that write in, we've got some free product that we can give to you and uh, you'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So one of the things that I thought was really neat is this daily devotional. Yeah, that is amazing. Nice. Yep. Nice. And uh, there's a coffee cup and maybe we could start using them as well. Yeah. It'll be all good. There you go. Uh, we all like those things. <laughs> and then there's season one. Yes. There it is, all wrapped mm -hmm. into... Uh, a really neat DVD disc. Do we still use those things? I, I know I do. I, I, I think probably there's a there's a drive there that you can download. Uh, so take advantage mm -hmm. of this amazing offer. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, what Elizabeth shared today. You know, you could really sense the tenderness of her heart and how she just jumps right in there and feels and, and gives her all. Yeah, and as she played the part of Mary Magdalene, it just filled her with personal hope, and mm -hmm. hope is what I'm gonna be yes. talking about today. God wants to walk with you through your valley. Whatever it is, maybe it's a valley of not having finances, of wondering how you're gonna pay the bills, maybe it's a valley of sickness. And sadly, but the reality is, it could be a, a valley of death, or maybe you've lost a loved one. All those things just cloud in on us. And yet Christmas comes, and we want to be filled with hope. One of the reasons we want hope is because sometimes we have wandered away from our Heavenly Father. We've wandered away from His love. Yesterday, I shared the story of the two sons. It's called the story of the prodigal son, but there's really two brothers. There's a brother who is painted out as the loser. He takes his dad's money, and he goes and spends it all, and then he just bottoms out. The older brother is the one who's very pious and appears to have it all together, but he's filled with anger as well. I don't know which one best suits your character. Maybe there's a blend of both, because I see myself at times in both brothers, wanting to live and pretend that I've got it all together, and yet the other part that has wandered from God. And yet what we find is that it says of the younger brother, he came to his senses. When did he come to his senses? When he realized that all the lights and the glitter would not bring happiness. Remember when I was 17, I moved to Toronto to go to college, and I had heard of the infamous Young Street Strip. I mean, it's been cleaned up so much since then. But I remember wandering down and seeing all the lights, and seeing all the pizzazz, the lure of it was drawing me in. 
But the further I walked, the more I'd look down alleyways, the more I would see that the flat behind the flashing red lights were people who were sad. There was the homeless, there were the drunk, there was the smell of urine and all of the offensive things that from a distance, when you just see the blinking lights, you never would have imagined it. Maybe that's been a bit like the story of your life. You got drawn in by the lights, but when you got down close, you realized you had nothing and our hopes are dashed. But today I wanna to talk to you about when hope is realigned. Because the young brother who comes to the end of himself, he's eating pig food, all the money that bought him friends and wealth and what appeared to be success had all gone. And he comes to his senses and he says, I'm going to go back to my father. He says, here I am starving to death and in my father's house, there's lots of food. Many times we get to that point where we're starving to death and we wonder, is there any place still at our Heavenly Father's table? Will he take us back? I want you to be filled with hope today because hope becomes the anchor of our soul. We have a Heavenly Father who's made it possible for us to come back. The young man is starving. He's hungry. You have to be to eat pig's food. But I wonder what it is that you might be starving for today. I know that many times people starve for significance. You know, significance starts when we're a kid and we say, Mom, look at me. Significance, you know, we starve for it as we get older, as we look for marks in high school, or we look for how much money we have in the bank after we have our first job. We measure significance in so many different ways, but it leaves us empty. As we get older, we think we want freedom 55. And then as one person said, I'm working for freedom 95 because what he thought he could buy, what he was hoping would give him significance had evaporated. And I think the young man though was starving for more than that. I think he had a hunger to be loved. And more than anything else, it's relationships that count. You know, who will be around your bedside when the end comes? I spent a long time in hospital this past year. And when I was in hospital, I was grateful for family and friends who came to see me but I observed that many people didn't have that luxury. Yes, that's what it is, the luxury of friends, the luxury of family. God wants you to be a part of his family. That's why he invites you to come home so that he can realign your hopes. He's willing and able to do it right now, today, if you call out to him. Thank you for listening to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. If you like what you heard or have a question for Mike, send him an email at this address, Mike at theperspective.tv. Again, that's Mike at theperspective.tv. Visit our website at www.theperspective.tv and check out our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com and type in The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. There you'll find hundreds of videos that'll keep you entertained and thinking for hours. Thanks again for listening to The Perspective, where we are always seeking to uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Until next time, We'll talk to you then.